right, you guys ready to get wise? That's what we're going to do in, through this series, Get Wise. You are here for the second week in our series called Get Wise. And we're going to be jumping around in the Proverbs today. So if you do have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up to Proverbs 18.21. That's going to be our main verse. But we're going to be all over the place. So look in the bulletin, and we're going to have all the main verses that we're covering today in there so you can look at it. Or you can flip through the pages, whatever one you want to do. That's cool. Or on the phone, whatever. So uh, we've been talking about Forward Faster for a few weeks. This is the campaign that we're, we're doing because we looked at it at the Elder Board and we were saying, hey, you know, financially we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. So we had to make some tough decisions. Um, but we're doing this because we want to move into the future faster into what God has for us. So I, I just wanted to encourage you guys to give to that. We're going to collect our offering after the message today. Um, but if you do want to give to that, you know, people have been already generously giving. We're trying to raise 50000 additional dollars um, just so that we can do things like paint the building. We have to do that before our preschool starts in just a few weeks. So we're working on that right now, and we'd love for you to give some money towards that to, to help purchase some paint. We've had some people volunteer their time to help paint, and if you're interested in that, we can definitely use you for that. Um, we've got some professionals that can tell you what to do. But we could use some help there. But I've just been so amazed that people have stepped up because we're not just asking for your treasures, your money. We're asking for your time and your talents too. So as a body of Christ, as a body of Christians, we can come forward and move into the future God has for us. Um, with that, um, you know, our church is growing and it's been exciting. We had over 20 people last week at our new friends lunch. So we're hoping that some of those people want to become new, new members. And if you're interested in that, we're probably going to do that every other month. So pay attention to that. Coming up in the second week in August, August 13th, we're going to have our SFC 101, our membership class, if you're interested in membership. Our church has grown. We, we've actually been increasing in attendance over the summer, which has been really cool to see because usually it's the opposite. People are traveling, moving around, out of school or whatever. But we've been growing. Almost 50 more in attendance since the start of the year, which is really cool. It's pretty exciting. So God is um, helping us grow, but okay, we've got to move forward, too, with some of these other things that we're doing. So we encourage you to give to that. Also, men's ministry had a great night at the baseball game this last week. Um, Mike Scherz over here, he organized that. Thank you, Mike. And I, I heard the Rockies won. So uh, thank you for your presence there to help with that. Well, it's great to see you all today. So today we are going to talk about our words, because words have power. Don't we say things like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words. A lot of our sayings in our culture that we have said into ourselves uh, downplay the significance of our words. And we do that often because we don't want somebody's harsh words to hurt us on the playground. We don't want their insults to affect us. We say, you know, words will never hurt me. But the fact is that words can hurt us. That words are very powerful things. They're very powerful things. Did you know that for every one word that Hitler wrote in Mein Kampf, 125 people were killed in World War II? But on the other end of the spectrum, people like Winston Churchill were able to give speeches and inspire millions of people so that nations like Great Britain were able to fight off the German invasion and bring an end to the regime of the Nazis. Words have power. They have more power than you think. And today, that's what we're going to look at together, because words have power. Our, our main verse today that I think encapsulates the entire idea of what the Proverbs say about our speech, our words, is Proverbs 18.21. So I have this verse up here on the screen, too. This is our main verse for today, and it says that the tongue has the power of life 
and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death in that one thing. So when, when we use tongue, it's like a synecdoche, for those of you who are English teachers. It represents your speech, right? In Proverbs and throughout the Bible, you see the tongue, you see the throat, the mouth, the lips, and it represents what we speak, what we say. Our speech, whether it's written or spoken or posted online, our words have power, the power of life and death. So our big idea, we're going to get the first half right now and the second half at the end of the message. The first half is that words have the power of life and death. Pretty simple. Straight from that verse. Words have the power of life and death. Life and death. Bring this up um, because there is the power of both life and death in your speech. You get to choose how to use it. James, Jesus' brother, used the illustration of a flame, of fire. Because a flame can be a very good thing. You need it to heat your food, to keep you warm. The fact that we have fire and we have controlled it has allowed us to advance as a civilization, right? At the same time, a flame also has great evil power. It can burn down entire forests. James says this in in chapter 3, verse 5 of his letter. He says, A great forest can be set on fire by one tiny spark. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is set on fire by hell itself and can turn our whole lives into a blazing flame of destruction and disaster. A little bit of a hyperbole there, but he's trying to say, your words have so much power in them. You can use it for good. A flame can be used for great good or for great evil and destruction. Your words have the power of life and death within them. second half of that verse said, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So it's saying if you love your words and learn to master them and control your tongue, if you learn to really focus on saying the right things, really good things can come out of it. You'll get to eat its fruit. Everybody wants to eat the fruit, okay? But if you do that, if you want to have the good things, the life come out of your words, you have to learn how to master to love your words. I had a friend call me up this week and she said, hey Matt, you know, I, when I talk, I don't really think about other people's feelings. I just kind of say what I think. I'm very blunt. Anybody like that in here? <laughs> I see a few hands shyly going up. This, this person said, Matt, I, I really need to talk to this person and say something pretty hard, and I think it's going to really hurt their feelings. So she told me a little bit about it, and we were talking about it, and she said, you know, I think I'm going to write out every word I'm going to say and then sleep on it and think about it and, and figure out how I can say it in the right way without hurting feelings unnecessarily. And I really love that because she loved her words. She was going to take the time to process it, write it down, think about it, and then the next day or, or a few days later, then actually talk to the person. That, that's a good piece of advice there, isn't it? That before you send off that angry email, give it a night. Sleep on it. Maybe show it to somebody else and say, what do you think? Because our words have so much power. They can give life or they can take it away. And when we love our words, we know now from studies that our communication is 70% nonverbal. This is included in our words too, our, our communication. That's why I'm gesturing and giving eye contact and moving around. Because it communicates something with it. So whenever we talk to someone, when we communicate, we can either give life or we can take it away. We've got to choose. So as we're going to see in this message today, and you really see this throughout Proverbs, is that there's two different paths before us. 
There's the path of wisdom and the path of the fool. When it comes to your words, there's the path of life and the path of death. So we're going to see five different points today. And for each of the five points, there's a choice that you have to make with your words. Now, when we talk about wisdom, like I introduced last week, we saw the quote from Tim Keller, which says wisdom is about the 80% of life that moral rules don't apply to. Because there's a lot of things, it's not like it's right or wrong, but there's all this gray area, and that's what wisdom is for. It's especially true for the words that come out of our mouths. Are we going to have wisdom, and what are we going to choose in how we speak? So our first point today is, if words have power of life and death, choose to heal, not hurt. You have a choice here. Will you heal with your words, or will you hurt people with your words? It's your choice. It's your choice. In Proverbs 12:18, we read, "The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing." See these, this contrast, you get to choose: healing or hurting. And I love the imagery of that. It's like someone's tongue is just this gigantic sword, and they're walking into a room and wham! Lob off someone's arm. Wham! Run into the wires. There's sparks flying everywhere. That's what our words are when we're reckless with them. We're just throwing them out there and they're just chopping people, cutting. People are getting hurt all over the place. Just because we haven't thought about what we're saying. We make that joke and it really hurts that person. And we were just trying to be funny. But our words can hurt. I remember when I was 18, I was in a college ministry and we were all hanging around this campfire and there was... Um, a young lady, and she was out of college. She was one of the, the leaders of this ministry. And we were all having fun, time, laughing. And I made a joke about this lady, about her being single. I thought it was hilarious. It was, it was funny, right? She ran away crying. Because she wanted to be married. She had now graduated college and was still hoping to be married, and she was still single. Wasn't even dating anyone. I thought it was funny, but it wasn't. It hurt her so much. And I could probably give you an example for every one of our points of all the bad things I've said. The point is, we need to learn wisdom and to not hurt, but to heal. But to heal with our words. Um, in Proverbs 16.24, we see the opposite of this. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Have you ever had fresh honey straight from the hive? Have you ever had fresh honey? So good. It's way better than anything you can get from the store in a little bear. Fresh honey is so good. It's so good you could put it... Oh, I have some friends that have bees and, you know, we'll take their honey any day you want because it's so good to get fresh, real honey. But on top of that, honey has healing properties. And especially in ancient times, that's what they used it for. So this proverb is saying that your words can be sweet to someone. It can give them just joy from... Tasting your words, but it can also bring healing to their life. Instead of hurting, instead of stabbing them, it can bring healing to a wound. Our words have the power of life and death that way, and we have to choose. You know, it could be with jokes. You know, sometimes you think it's so funny, and it, but it can be brutal to a person because it gets them right where they're the most insecure, right where they're hurting in their life. Our words, just a dumb throwaway joke, can really hurt someone. Students, man, you guys have it tough nowadays. We didn't have smartphones when I was your age. But on Instagram, what people can write can be devastating. The posts that they put, those comments on a picture, man, your comments online can have the power of life or death, to hurt or to heal. Parents, a word you say to your child about their looks can give them a lifetime of insecurity. Or on the other hand, it can build them up and and turn them into a great person. 
based on your words. If someone is called a whore, that word can follow them the rest of their life because they think in their head, well, that's all I am. That's all I am. Our words have the power of life or death. They can hurt or they can heal. So let's choose to heal. That's our first point. And with this young woman that I, uh, that I said this stupid joke to, I, I did go seek her out to apologize. And I said, you know, I'm really stupid. I'm so sorry. I didn't know what you were going through. I'm, I'm just a young, stupid guy. Uh, and I apologize. I asked for forgiveness. And there was starting to be, be some healing. You know, it's hard sometimes to come back. But we've got to work to bring healing. If we have been the person that's hurt with our words in the past, let's also be the one to go there to heal. Let's choose to heal, not to hurt. The second point is that we also need to choose when to speak and when to shut it. Choose when to speak and say something, and sometimes you just need to say nothing at all. Open mouth, insert foot. Proverbs 18.6 says, The lips of fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. Foolish words thrown out there can bring hurt and deserve a beating. Deserve a beating. Stupid words, just words that should never have been spoken. You can hurt so much. They can bring so much devastation to someone's own life. I remember a few years ago, there was the basketball owner, Donald Sterling, and some racist comments, he said, may, it forced him, they had to, he had to sell his team that he'd had for years because he said these racist comments, what he thought was in private. He should have just kept his mouth shut. Of course, he shouldn't have been racist, but he should have just kept his mouth shut. And he wouldn't have been in that hurt that he was in. Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. I think this is my favorite proverb. Even if you are that idiot and you right now say, I don't have very much wisdom, keep your mouth shut. Just don't say anything. Maybe people will think you're smarter than you are. Publius once said, I have often regretted my speech, never my silence. Now, there are times where we do need to speak up, but it's much more often that we speak when we shouldn't. Sometimes we just need to shut it. How many of us have those regrets? Man, I wish I would have just kept my mouth shut. I definitely I see some hands. <laughs> we all have been there. Why why, we need to just learn to control our mouth. That's wisdom. Choosing not to speak can be the right decision. Our third point. Not only do we need to choose when to speak and when to shut it, we also need to choose the right thing at the right time. Timing is very important when it comes to our speech. Timing is very important. Proverbs 27.14 says, If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. It's trying to teach us this. If you're tired and someone comes in, it's such a beautiful day, it's so great to see you. You're like, ugh. Okay, that's what it's saying. Timing is so important when it comes to our words. You know, if we're telling the joke, jokes can be healing. They can be really good if they're at the right time, but sometimes it's just too soon. That person just died. That tragedy just happened. Don't say it right now. It's not the right time. Proverbs 15.23 says a person finds joy in giving an apt reply and how good is a timely word how good is a timely word on the other hand so words spoken at the right wrong time can be terrible but at the right time they can be great 
can be encouraging. It can be just what that person needed to hear when, when they're depressed and down and you come to them and give them an encouragement or a compliment. That really lifts their spirits at the perfect time. You know, I, I've had some sleepless nights over the last few weeks about decisions we've had to make it as an elder board. There's some tough things we've had to say. I, I've been staying up all night worrying. You know, you're not supposed to worry, but I, I was worrying and I was trying to turn it into prayer and just say, God, help me. You lost a lot of sleep. But I had some people in our church that came up to me and, and verbally gave me an encouragement or sent me an email or a card, and it was just the perfect time. I just needed to hear that right at that moment. Words can be at the right time. Words can be at the right time. Ephesians 4.29 says, Say the right thing at the right time and help others by what you say. And help others by what you say. I think that should be the rubric that we view every one of our speech. Does this help? Does this build someone up? If it doesn't, keep your mouth shut. Or, or maybe you're saying it is the right word, but not the right time. I need to wait to say this to the right season. We need to decide and, and use our wisdom to figure out the right time for the right thing. That's our third point. Choose the right thing at the right time. The fourth one is like this, but it isn't just about the timing. It's about the person. So the fourth is choose the right word for the right person. Choose the right word for the right person. So it, it, it may just be the person themselves you shouldn't say that to. Another person you could make that joke with. Another person you could say that word. But them, not so much. Proverbs 25.20 says, Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Just imagine you have this big gaping wound in your arm. It's bloody and pussy and someone just pours vinegar in it, this open wound. Oh, that would be brutal, sting and painful because the wound is still open. The same way people have emotional wounds in their life and it's not the right person to say that word to. And it's that sing songs. Singing songs is great. Having a joyful word and being happy, that's good. But you need to be careful who you say those words to. It's the person. It's the person. You know, if... If you're like, oh, married life is the best, I love it, don't necessarily say that to your single friend who's struggling. Don't make that joke about singleness like I did. Or, or maybe you're like, oh, we, I have so many kids, oh, I love them so much, I just, we keep having kids, and your friend is dealing with insecurity, or not infertility. That could be the wrong person to say that to. Or, or maybe you're like, oh, I had this great vacation, we were in Hawaii, we did all this stuff. Don't say that to the person who just lost their job. You've got to say the right word for the right person. For the right person. On the other hand, there can be the good word, the right word for the right person. And that's what Proverbs 12.25 says. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. A kind word to that person who's anxious, stressed out, worried. A kind word to them can lift them up. That's the right word for that person. So think about the person you know, kids are taught to do this, and we forget when we're adults. Okay, put yourself in their shoes. Think about what they are feeling like, what they're going through, their family situation. What do they need to hear that will encourage them? Think about the right word for the right person. That's wisdom, to choose that. And our fifth point builds on this. It's to choose to win friends, not lose them. Choose to win friends, not lose them. We are supposed to win friends with our words. We're supposed to gain favor with people. That's what it says in Proverbs 16.28. Not lose friends. It says, A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. 
The words you say can destroy friendships. Gossip. I mean, that's something that you don't even say to the person. Say it about them. That can destroy friendships. And, and we're going to talk about conflict next week. That's what we're going to look at next week. So I'm, not, I'm just going to put that aside for right now. But I do want you to see that gossip can separate close friends. There are workplaces, there are friendships built entirely around gossip. Maybe you know about these. Maybe you're in a relationship like this. And everything you get together, did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you see so-and-so's posts on Facebook? Okay, you know, it's just gossip. It's just gossip. And that will drive friends apart because whenever I'm talking to someone like that, and of course I'm guilty of gossip too, we all are, whenever you're with that person, don't you think, what are they saying about me? And you wonder about them. I can't trust them with a secret. And all of a sudden this wedge is driven away. And then you do hear about what they said about you. Whew. It's broken a friendship. And we shouldn't choose that. We should choose to win friends and bring people together. If you're going to say something about somebody, say good things behind their back. Say good things about the person. Good gossip. That is what we're supposed to do. I, I met Bobby. He was up here playing guitar this week. And, and we got together this week for coffee. And he's like, oh, my wife, she's a phenomenal nurse. She won this Florence Nightingale Award. She's so great. Well, you know, she's amazing. And he was bragging on his wife. And that's good. And I love it because that's what you're supposed to say behind people's backs. The good things about a person. The good things about a person. So let's be that type of gossip, not the bad part. And, and did you notice in the first part of that verse, 1628, it said a perverse person. If you are, are one who's always going into perverse jokes or, or language that's just foul and filthy, people will just get upset and get sick of it after a while. You think it's funny and you're, you're, you're trying to gain friends, but eventually they're just going to get sick of it. And it does destroy friendships. The rule we should have is looking at Ephesians 4.29. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Any unwholesome. That's a challenging word, isn't it? Any unwholesome talk. Now, I'm not going to be up here and give you rules and say, you can say darn, but not. You can say ticked off, but not. I'm not going to give you rules like that. I mean, that's what we learned in Galatians. It's not about the rules. But you should ask yourself, this is wisdom, ask yourself, is this wholesome? Is this helpful? Is this building others up? Or is this perverse and negative and is going to destroy friendships? We've got to use wisdom to choose the right words. To win friends, not lose them. But we can gain friends. Proverbs 10.32 says, The lips of the righteous know what finds favor, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. The righteous people, the upright person, knows how to say words to gain favor with others, to build friends. We're supposed to win friends with our words to gain favor with people. Doctors who are terrible doctors and have bad outcomes medically can get reviewed really well because they have good bedside manner. Doctors who have phenomenal outcomes and, and always make the right call medically can have people hate them because they have terrible bedside manner. So whether it's your career, whether it's your friendships, your relationships... Whatever it is, we need to gain friends, win favor with people, not lose friends and drive them away. Use your words to build up friendships. Another way that can be really negative with our words and, and push people away is through criticism. Gary Lidholm is one of our elders. He's our lead elder here. And he was a pastor up in Alaska before he retired. And he said it, he had a lady in his congregation who told him that she had the spiritual gift of sermon criticism. Let me tell you, that's not a spiritual gift. It's not. And nobody in here better have it. Okay? Criticism 
Cynicism is not a spiritual gift. Anyone can be critical. Anyone can be critical. No, let's think of how we can build others up. John Wesley was a a great British preacher in the 1700s. And he was preaching once this sermon. And he was, I mean, he was one of the best preachers to ever live. He was preaching this sermon and there was a woman in the front row just staring at his tie. If you've ever seen a picture of him or people from the 1700s, they had these weird like ties that went like this. They had like two different things that came down. Have you ever seen an old picture like that? So this lady was staring at his tie the whole time. And afterwards she came up to him and she said, you know what? Your tie is offensive. It's too long. It's too distracting. So he, John Wesley said, okay, does anyone in here have scissors? And one lady said, I have some scissors. And pulled them out of her purse and he took them and gave them to the lady and said, well, could you fix them, please? So she took the scissors and cut them short. She said, that's much better. And he said, you know, there's something offensive about you too. Give me those scissors. Could you stick out your tongue? Because her tongue was the offensive thing, right? We need to think about this. If you're critical, you're not going to win friends. You're not going to influence people. We need to think, how can we? That's what we're supposed to do with our tongue. That's the wise thing to do. We need to ask more questions of people than we talk about ourselves. Because then we show interest in them. We need to work to memorize people's names. To learn things about them. And when we say, when you do learn something, really work hard to memorize it and learn it. So then you, the next time you see him, say, how is your mom? I know she was struggling with that illness. How's she doing right now? You are going to win a friend because you just took a little bit of time to remember something and say that word. That can go so far because maybe nobody else has paid attention to that person or cared about them. Our words can influence people. Parents, spouses, we can get into the habit of criticizing too much. Parents especially, it's hard not to be like, don't do that, stop doing that. Could you please don't, please not do that. It's so easy to just say, no, 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 you're doing it wrong, 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 wrong. We have to be careful. Okay? As parents or as spouses or whenever a relationship, let's try to say yes more than we say no because you end up saying no a lot. Don't do that. You can't do that. We, we, we need to think, how can we build these people up and, and build this relationship? You catch more flies with honey, right? That's one of our proverbs in American Eve's. You catch more flies with honey. So I've given you these four choices that Proverbs tells us. With our speech. To choose to heal or to choose to hurt. To choose to speak or to choose to shut it. To choose to say the right thing at the right time. To choose the right word for the right person. To choose to win friends, not lose them. These five choices were given. And I hope that as I've laid them out, there's been one that's kind of stuck out to you and said, Matt, I really need to work on that one. I hope that you leave today and say, I am going to work on that. I'm going to choose the right thing. But now as as we wrap this up, I'm going to give you the second half of our big idea. It's very simple. Very simple today. Words have the power of life and death. So choose what? Life. It's simple. Let's choose to do the right thing. Let's choose to heal. Let's choose to win friends. Let's choose to say the right thing at the right time. The right word to the right person. Let's choose the right thing. Let's choose life. We all remember what Uncle Ben said in Spider-Man, don't we? With great power comes great responsibility. Your words, your tongue has great power. Life and death is held in his tongue. So choose life. Now, I, I have a couple stories that I want to tell you, and I've changed the names and some of the details. Uh, the first is about a man named Pete. And when Pete was nine years old, He was curious. So he was at the school library and he took out a book on anatomy. So he took this book down and of course he was curious and he found the section on 
women, right? Female anatomy. So he was looking at it. He was just curious. The librarian came up and grabbed the book. What are you doing, you pervert? Everyone heard it. So his nickname from then on was Pete the Perv. He couldn't get any girlfriends throughout middle school and high school. The name just followed him everywhere. So then when he was 21, and he still was too nervous to get a girlfriend, he'd become addicted to pornography because he thought, hey, I'm a pervert. And he was asking some people for naked pictures online. He happened to ask someone who was underage. Because of that, he got arrested and went to prison and is now going to be the rest of his life as a sex offender. Now, he made bad choices along the way. But a word that was spoken to him and then repeated by others gave him an identity that was negative, that was life-taking. It was death to him. Our words have that power. But our words also have the power of life. Another young lady named Lindsay. Now, Lindsay was really good at spelling. And in second grade, she got 100% on every spelling test. She loved it. And she was really good with words. So she began to write stories, and the teacher loved them. And because she was such, so good with language, one day in class when the teacher asked everybody to go around and say what they wanted to be when they grew up, she said, I want to be a lawyer. Now, some of the boys in her class snickered because they said, oh, girls can't be lawyers. But the teacher said, no, she, Lindsay's going to be a great lawyer. She is so good with words. She is brilliant with her words. Because that, Lindsay knew that she was smart and worked on her words and worked on her writing. And she was able to get into one of the best colleges and one of the best law schools and is today practicing law and is an incredible lawyer. The words spoken by that teacher gave her life and encouragement when it could have been negative. The words we speak, and it's not just for kids. It's for people in difficult situations, in life circumstances. The words we say to others can be life-giving or death-giving. So let's choose life. Let's choose to use our words, the power we have, for good. Now, like I do in most of my messages, or all my messages really, is, is look at how this connects us to Jesus. And if you look at Jesus, do you know what he is called in John chapter 1? The Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh, it says in 1.14. Jesus was the Word of God come on the earth. And it says that when he spoke, he spoke as one who had authority. People listened to him. There's something different about his words that we could learn from. There's this amazing section in John chapter 6 where Jesus had just fed 5,000 people, performed these amazing miracles, and then began to teach, telling people to believe in him. Now, this was controversial. Believe in God? I, th- I thought we were supposed to believe in God, not, not in this man. But he said, believe in me. And he spoke this way. And it says that in John 6.63, Jesus said, The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Jesus' words were life-giving. And right after he said these words, challenging words, it says many of his disciples left him. Many. It was hard for people to accept Jesus' words, even though they were life-giving. There's 12 left. And Jesus looked at the 12 and he said, okay, are you going to leave me too? Are my words too hard for you? But Peter looked at him and said, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Jesus' words are the true life-giving words. And if we, with our words, acknowledge him as our Lord and Savior, he gives us life. It says that if we acknowledge him before others, 
then he will acknowledge us before our Father in heaven. If we declare Jesus with our words, he will declare us, well done, good and faithful servant. Now those are the words I want to hear. And if we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and declare him with our mouth, then those words of life can be in us and help us and and give us the wisdom we need so that we too can speak words that give life and not death. So I wanted to end with that to challenge you that that is the path to true life through Jesus Christ. He alone has the words of life. So we're going to have the band come up and we're going to collect our offering here. Um, and we're going to end with these couple songs so we can praise God. You know, in James chapter 3, Jesus' brother said, with the same mouth you can praise God or curse others. So let's choose to, to speak words of life. Let's choose to praise God with our lips. And let's choose life. Let's pray. Um, Lord God, you alone have the words of life and you gave us Jesus Christ, your only son, to show us the true words of wisdom. And I pray in our own lives as we try to figure out what we should say, when we should say it, when we should not say something, you would give us wisdom and you'd give us the ability to choose life. Lord, I I know I was challenged as I studied this week and I I thought back to all these mistakes I had made, all these bad words and, and wrong words or the wrong time that I had said things. Lord, I pray that you just forgive us all for those things that we've said wrong and help us in the future to speak with wisdom, to speak what is right. And and God, I I just pray for the person in here today who has never declared you with their mouth that you are their Lord and Savior. And would you speak to them and say, I want those words. I want the word of life. I want Jesus himself as my Lord and Savior. And I pray that you would speak to them right now. And all of us, as we turn to you and, and give this offering right now, And as we praise you with our mouth, may it bring honor to your name. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.